Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Declan Ganley. The name might ring a bell. Let us refresh things for you and take you back to 2008. Majority in favour of the proposal, 619,662. In the end, the decision was overwhelming. The Irish public voted yes to Lisbon by a 2-to-1 majority, 67% to 33%. Only two hours after counting started, anti-Lisbon campaigner Declan Ganley was the first to concede defeat. It's a, a momentous decision. I'd like to say it was inspired by hope. But uh, I fear that it was not. Ganley, an English-born businessman who had moved to Ireland in his teens, had seemingly out of nowhere inserted himself directly into the Irish political landscape. If you were an American voter, would you be a Republican, a Democrat or an Independent? Again, American politics very sadly has broken down into these two. I'd be an Independent, you is, would. The, is the short answer. Okay. Yeah. And would you consider yourself to be right of centre? Uh, in Ireland. In Ireland, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's not hard to be right of centre in Ireland. Neither a member of the Dáil or Shannad, but someone who for a brief period seemed to hold as much political swing as nearly anyone in the land. Declan Ganley likes the publicity he attracts at the, during these campaigns. So please help me welcome Declan Ganley. Give it up for Declan Ganley! But... How did he get to that point? And what happened next? It struck me today that if we were to vote yes on Friday, our data will have more protection than our unborn children. I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and today on the Indo-Daily, I am joined by Irish independent political correspondent John Downing and by John Burns, Deputy Group Business Editor with Media House Ireland, to discuss the mysterious rise of the businessman come politician and the lengthy legal battle he now finds himself in. John Burns, can you tell me about Declan Ganley's background and, in particular, his Irish connection? Yes, so he was born in Hertfordshire in England to Irish parents. And like so many Irish couples of that generation, 
They returned to Galway when he was a teenager. But he kept his English accent, even though he was living here from the age of 13 on. And he still has it to this very day. And of course, he's, he's very proud of his Irishness as well. But uh, when he finished his leaving cert in 1987, he basically went uh, back in his father's footsteps and took the boat over to England. And uh, he has told us he started working as a tea boy at an insurance brokerage in London. But even then, he could see business opportunities in the breakup of the Soviet Union in the late 80s. And uh, he started to pitch ideas to his bosses at the brokerage uh, in terms of ways of making money out of uh, countries like Latvia. Yeah. And how did that progress then? Because ultimately, he ends up for a period as an intermediary between the breaking Soviet Union and the West on business terms. Yes. So he made contacts in Russia and in Latvia. And he was absolutely quids in then as soon as Latvia became an independent country in 1991. And suddenly all his friends found themselves in power. I mean, he said, you know, these were my mates and we all made a few quid together. And he'd also helped them on the political side as well. He was able to bring in political posters and pamphlets that had been um, printed in Europe and basically smuggled back in. So this gave him huge credibility with, with the new government in Latvia. And they appointed him as a foreign economics affairs advisor in the early 1990s. And he has said the whole thing was real, seat of the pants stuff. You were basically building a country from scratch. I realized that this was a giant Potemkin village, that, that Marxism, that socialism, that communism uh, was a fraud and that its greatest victims were its own people. But there was an awful lot of money to be made and was made both in Russia and in those Baltic states. And it seems like Declan Ganley helped himself to a decent slice of the pie. Yeah, Latvian timber, that seems to be his first big deal as such. That's right. He was able to arrange for a shipment of Latvian timber to get to the UK. But I believe the uh, first batch didn't work out too well because it hadn't been properly treated. So he probably lost money on that particular transaction. But he certainly found customers in London and they said, if you can, if you can get it over to us properly, we'll take plenty of it. And uh, that certainly seems to have been a very lucrative trade for him for some time in the early 90s. Okay, so he's established, he's on the international stage, and then he starts basically venturing into the emerging world of telecommunication. Yes, that was quite a pivot. So he basically went to the US where he set up a, a company that he still owns called Revada Networks. And uh, that won a ver some very big contracts from people like the US military and law enforcement and, and so on. So suddenly he was on both sides of the Cold War divide, which of course gave rise to all kinds of speculation. But he, he loved to um, lean into that himself. And he used to joke that his um, opponents called him a CIA agent when he was in Western Europe and a KGB agent when he was in Eastern Europe. So he was happy to uh, play up this international man of mystery image. But of course, if you are doing serious business deals, as he has been with people like the US military and the law enforcement, it's in your best interest to be as discreet as you possibly can. Yeah. So his big idea was when disasters happen, communications become extremely important, but normal communications networks break down. So you kind of need an emergency frequency as such that will work in any circumstances, be it 
terrorism or natural disaster. Yes, he had a kind of a eureka moment after the Twin Towers atrocity of 2001. His wife is from New York and her brother was a firefighter in the Twin Towers on that infamous day, but fortunately wasn't injured. But there was a complete breakdown of communications on that day between the emergency services. People like the fireman and the police simply could not talk to each other. And uh, this all came out in the huge investigations that were conducted afterwards. So Declan Ganley saw a real opportunity in this. That commodity of radio spectrum bandwidth, once you could commoditize it and package that way, this is something that there's massive demand for and that it would be the world's next great commodity. It could be bigger than oil. That he could develop a communication system that could be used in emergencies and in disasters of that type. And uh, as Il Fortune would have it, his technology was ready to go in 2005 after Hurricane Katrina hit the state of Louisiana. And uh, he worked round the clock to get it installed there. It was used and it performed very well. And it was the start of a whole new lucrative seam of business for him. He also attempted to dip his toe into the telecoms sector in Ireland, quite infamously, uh, went to another bidder at the time. Can you give us the background there and what has been the subsequent fallout? Yes. So Declan Ganley teamed up with a big international outfit called Comcast in the 1990s. And they backed him to create a new enterprise that was called Broadnet. And that won licenses all over Europe in about 42 big cities in Germany, as well as in France and, and other countries. So they bid for the second telecommunications license here in Ireland. And as you say, that was won by Dennis O'Brien's ESAT Digifone consortium. But that was the subject of a lengthy investigation afterwards by the Moriarty Tribunal, and it found flaws in the process of Mr O'Brien winning that licence, to put it mildly. Good evening and welcome. The headlines tonight. A cynical and venal abuse of office report finds Michael Lowry helped Dennis O'Brien secure mobile phone license. They say the report is based on opinion, not fact. I never paid Michael Lowry one red cent. So that subsequently triggered two of the underbidders to take legal action against the state, Mr O'Brien and everybody else. Amazingly, those legal actions are still not completed. So Comcast and Mr. Ganley are suing, as is another disappointed underbidder called Persona. And I understand that the cases may well be finally heard this year. So it's just um, extraordinary that about 25 years after the bid was sorted, that this litigation is still going on. It's also given rise to a second stream of litigation involving Mr. Ganley and Mr. Dennis O'Brien. So Mr. O'Brien says that on his desk one day in 2015, he found a USB stick with a dossier of information about him that had been put together by a PR company called Red Flag. Now, Red Flag is partially owned by Gavin O'Reilly, son of Tony O'Reilly. And you'll know that Dennis O'Brien and Tony O'Reilly fought a very long and bitter battle for control of this very newspaper. 
So there was no love lost between the the two sides after that. Mr O'Brien claims Red Flag Consulting was involved in a conspiracy to harm his interests. He wants the High Court to order the company to identify the client who commissioned a dossier of information about him. And again, this whole matter has gone through a very complex legal procedure for the last nine years or so. I'm not sure that one is actually going to finish this year. John Downing, to turn to you, will you take us back a decade and a half to politics in Ireland? And what exactly was the Lisbon Treaty all about? The Lisbon Treaty, apart from being the thing which allowed Declan Ganley literally explode onto the Irish political scene, was a rehash of the EU constitution. The EU constitution was torpedoed by a referendum in France and Netherlands where it was voted no. So they redid it and put it into treaty form. It expanded a lot of the European Union's policies or expressed the the ambition to expand a lot of them, notably uh, security and defence. It was a really hard sell. It allowed opponents of the European Union and critics of the European Union to raise all sorts of concerns, some of which were genuine, some of which history has shown were not. How does Declan Ganley suddenly arrive into the middle of that debate? Declan Ganley... In politics, as in business, as you've already discussed with John Burns, emerges as something of a disruptor in political markets. I believe he genuinely had and probably still has concerns about the European Union. You have to remember his background working in the money markets in Britain. Such people are frequently opponents of the EU because they see it as a big regulator internationally and something that could constrain their activities. But otherwise, he put together convincing arguments against the trend of greater European integration, arguing that there was a European elite in Brussels and the other key capitals. This treaty will give exclusive competences to Brussels over international trade and foreign direct investment. It halves our voting weight while doubling Germany's at the European Council. It creates an unelected president and foreign minister for Europe that will speak for all of us as European citizens on the global stage. They were disregarding ordinary citizens' views. They were going too far ahead of citizens who wanted European cooperation, but not the levels of integration that were espoused in the 2008-2009 Lisbon Treaty. So for a variety of reasons, the Lisbon Treaty referendum fails and Declan Ganley kind of emerges as the man who brought it down in Ireland. Among them, yes, the government pro-EU campaign was pretty hopeless and disorganised. Brian Cowan had only weeks earlier taken over from Bertie Ahern. There were other logistical problems. It was a time of emerging economic turmoil and it was a sort of mid-term shock to the government as much as anything. No, because Ireland was then effectively holding up the Lisbon Treaty's ratification, Ganley becomes a Europe-wide figure and he branches out into a fully-fledged Europe-wide party. How did he fare there? He set up this thing called Libertas. It was a Eurosceptic group, very sort of pan-nationalist. They fielded 600 candidates in 14 member states and... The only one who got elected was a French guy called Philippe de Villiers. 
And Ganley himself, he stood in the northwest constituency from his Galway base. And at all events, he lost. After a recount, they actually found that he had been given 3,000 more votes than he should have. So he, he went the other way when he in a recount. So with that... As quickly as he had entered politics in 2008, he exited. He said, look, I'm out. Libertas, its future is for other people. I sought a mandate. I didn't get it. So be it. He said that the Brussels functionaries are incompetent, peasants, politicians, morons and gobshites. Those are your okay, words. Let him come back in. Well, I mean, if we want to <clears throat> trade words, we'll use your words where you said if you didn't get elected as an MEP last year, you wouldn't return to campaign. You'd go back to work. I wish you would actually go back to work because all you are is a failed politician. <clears throat> he has popped up on the radar expressing political views on social issues in Ireland over the course of the last decade. He has kept a toe in the door. I think it is in some ways certainly would be received by the larger parties as a warning that he could re-emerge at any time. He has spoken and he's entitled his views. He has spoken out against changes in the abortion law, which were in fact finally voted in 2018, arguing that we're moving towards a British model of a liberal abortion regime, which he did not support. And he argued in the classic way that it was about the right to life of the unborn child. The Irish people are on the march for life. Because we know, we know, we know our constitution recognises the human individuality of Ireland's pre-born girls and boys. And then during the COVID-19 pandemic, he pops up again with a, a curious court case. Again, yes. And again, consistent with his stance on abortion during the pandemic, he took a high court challenge to the legality of the ban on attending religious worship. The criminalisation of participation, of going to mass and participating in a public mass is an affront to our constitution, and we should care about that. The fact that it is done and that it is so disproportionate is, is outrageous. And a lot of people at the time, I do remember, and not necessarily religious or, or churchy people, felt there was an argument there. People were in numbers in the supermarkets while there were continual restrictions on numbers attending big vaults of churches with big high ceilings and so on and so forth. So he took that case, but it didn't fly. It was dismissed in the High Court. He didn't succeed there either, but he did register again a certain presence in Irish public life. Now, John, Declan Ganley, quite a personable fellow, you'd have to say. Absolutely. I, I met him just once. I mean, I saw him speak and I followed his media appearances quite closely. But I, I personally met him once. I cannot for the life of me think why, but I, through force of circumstance, some occasion, I wound up sharing a lunch table with him. And looking back on it, he was barely 40 years old, but he projected as somebody a deal older. But a man from East Galway, he had great detail about the area and about the people and name-checked a lot of people and they had a lot of people in common. Very, very enthusiastic to 
show his Irishness despite a strong English accent to show that he belonged in Ireland and you'd have to respect that. Back to you, John Burns. Declan Ganley has been at the centre of a rather lengthy and expensive legal battle with a former friend and business partner. That's right. Mr. Ganley is no stranger to litigation, which he has quite happily said himself and he has been involved in yet another long and expensive legal battle with a former friend and a business partner called David Schumann. And basically, Mr. Schumann went guarantor on a loan, which he claims was not repaid. Now, this is disputed by Mr. Ganley, who says that the loan has been repaid. But uh, that um, seemingly simple dispute has given rise to lawsuits in three different states in America, New York, Delaware and Texas. But Mr. Schumann did secure a default judgment against Mr. Ganley in New York in 2021 for $16 million. He now says that with interest and penalties, that's $20 million. And he's been going through the courts in New York to try to get some satisfaction for this debt. And a judge in New York has been, I think it's fair to say, heavily siding with Mr. Schumann and putting pressure on Mr. Ganley to repay some of the money that is said to be owed. So we found in December 2023, Mr. Ganley was at risk of being in contempt of court if he didn't hand over assets to settle part of the debt. So we now have, as you say, the extraordinary situation whereby he's agreed to sell a pub and four acres of land in Galway for a total price of not less than 190,000 as part of this $20 million debt dispute. So these are very small amounts of money, given the huge multi-billion dollar deals that Mr. Ganley is involved with in other spheres. And uh, yet this is um, a rather difficult situation that he finds himself in. Yeah. Is it normal in a case like this? So we've basically Declan Ganley selling a Massey Ferguson tractor in order to raise the money to pay a debt. Is this kind of thing normal when you're talking about somebody who is seemingly a multimillionaire businessman that you'd be getting down to what is kind of small change in a case like this? No, this is very odd and frankly, even a little bit weird, I would say, because Mr. Ganley has some very high profile backers, including Peter Thiel, who was one of the founders of PayPal and one of the first outside investors in Facebook. Now, Rivada does not issue accounts being a private company, so we don't know how much Mr. Thiel has put in, but... uh, Presumably, he has made a significant investment. So also has Carl Rove, who is a former advisor to uh, President George Bush. And yes, despite all this high-powered backing, Rivada does seem to be finding itself in some sort of financial difficulties. This case with Mr. Schumann is not the only death case that it's involved in. Um, in 2018, an arbitrator found that Rivada owned a Swiss investment vehicle, Aquapart, $3.6 million dollars again, on the back of an unpaid loan. That's still outstanding. And Mr. Schumann's lawyers got a deposition from Rivada's chief financial officer, Michael Douglas Lynn, in February 2023 in New York. And he gave some extraordinary evidence. For example, he said, the total cash we have on hand is probably $3,000 across all of our bank accounts. And uh, when he was asked, how do you make the payroll? He said, We don't. I haven't been paid in three months. So this issue rumbles on and we get the intriguing details. Meanwhile, at the same time, 
Declan Ganley and his company continue to be involved in really big time deals going on here, taking to the stars. That's right. So in theory, he's going up against Elon Musk's Starlink in uh, what he's hoping to set up a series of low Earth orbit satellites, which provide a very secure internet service, something that simply can't be hacked. So take the internet. You've got the most complex, publicly available and democratic communication layer that exists. Everybody's free to use it and everybody's equal on it. And it's a people's layer. The outer net is a different layer to the onion. It's an outside of the public infrastructure and it's an enterprise and government layer. But this is a very investment heavy project. Um, he would need literally billions of dollars to get some of these satellites into the air. And uh, that's also the subject of much litigation. I think at one point it was calculated that there's something like 100 different legal actions going on as people fight over the rights to put these satellites up. If you had to take a gamble on it, though, given Elon Musk's massive wealth, you think that in this particular Star Wars race, he is more likely to be the ultimate victor. Ganley and Peter Thiel, beyond their business connection, they seem to have similar outlooks on the political and ideological side. I think that's right. I think that's where the bond is. They would both describe themselves as libertarians. And it was interesting, actually, that Mr. Ganley was on a very short list of invited guests at the inauguration of the new libertarian president of Argentina, Javier Millet. And uh, he was on the guest list with Jair Bolsonaro, the former president of Brazil, Viktor Orban, the prime minister of Hungary, and in general, what The Guardian described as a who's who of the global far right. Well, now, The Guardian's idea of the global far right might be different to other people's. But it was certainly some interesting company that uh, Mr. Ganley was rubbing shoulders with. And again, it, it shows the international celebrity power that he still has, mainly through some of these high-powered political friends. And my thanks to John Burns and earlier to John Downing. I'm Fionn Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Ian Doyle, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by Rory Bones. Archive clips from RTE News, The Late Late Show, Immaculata Productions, News Talk and EWTN. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in mon Europe the end of Chacht Erachor. Agasuligum a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Pashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vientalam again omgrev or corn rachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.